0: This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today we're visiting with Heidi Claire Lambert, who's well-known across the valley as a fiddle player, and she's a fixture at the High Mountain Hay Fever Bluegrass Festival. Today we're going to be talking about a couple of her interesting projects. Heidi, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Uh, Are you playing a lot these days?
1: Oh, here and there. Uh, Actually, a lot at home by myself and, of course, with Ron. But not a lot of touring right now.
0: It is winter. uh, It tends to be sort of a slow time. And it's a good time to recharge and learn some new, uh, new things. So who are you listening to these days?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. You know, it's a funny thing. I don't listen to a lot of music these days. Both Ron and I have so much music in our heads. <laughs> kind of, but I've been playing some classical, uh, uh, some Beethoven and, and um, some Bach, a little bit of Mozart. and those. So those kind of go through my head a lot, and the particular versions of, of the, the players that I learned it from way back when. Yesterday I listened to a little bit of Jesse Winchester, who I adore.
0: We just played Jesse Winchester on the radio this oh, morning, guys. Oh, he's, he's a good a, one. one of our favorites, and there's a good uh, tribute album that we play off of some with other folks doing his songs. So how did you come to be a fiddler? There's a lot of instruments out there. You could have uh, landed on many of them, I suspect.
1: I could have. Good point. I have uh, five siblings, and each of us were allowed to choose the, the instrument that we preferred. And... The fiddle or the violin was not taken, and I just thought it was, I always thought it was beautiful, and to this day, it kind of gives me butterflies just to look at my instrument. I, I really, I just love it. I mm-hmm. love what it looks like, and, and also the, the potential that can come out of it.
0: Now, when I think of your style, you have a very down-home style, sort of an old, old style, at least that's what I've heard. How, how do you hear, hear your style?
1: I don't know that I do. I, I know that I found my voice with my with my fiddle quite a long time ago, actually. And I have a, a real openness with that, which I think is crucial. But I, I guess it just needs to be open. And that might be the only word, maybe honest. But that's not really that descriptive. Cause, because to me, music has all the emotions. It has It has humor. So sometimes humor is mysterious or deceptive, but to me, it's. It, I just I love using all the palettes, all the colors in the palette, um, every shade, every crunchiness to incredible smoothness and to everything in between.
0: Fiddlers have very different styles. Uh, Daryl Anger, for instance, can make that thing talk. He has he has a certain style. He can kind of go all over. Other people are very sort of straight ahead, I would guess. Are there any fiddlers that were particular influences for you? You listened to them on record or you heard them them live?
1: Yes. An early influence, two early influences for me were Alistair Fraser, who's a Scottish fiddler, and that's, I I think, where that crunch really came Mm -hmm. from because that certainly, before that, I played mostly classical a little fiddle on the side, but mostly classical. So uh, crunch was not something that you, that you strove for. I mean, occasionally for double stops and things, but basically we wanted s- smoothness. And so Alistair was certainly uh, one in my late teens. And then through Alistair, through his camp, I met and learned from Bruce Molsky, who's, mm-hmm. who's, who was also a very big influence.
0: And uh, Bruce Molsky was mm-hmm. with Daryl Anger with the old-time cosmic uh, trio a few years ago. That They, they mm-hmm. went over great. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, let's talk a little bit about a couple of things you've been involved with. You were the Hellman Visiting Artist within the Department of Neurology at the University of California, San Francisco of A few years ago What was that all about?
1: Well Warren Hellman Who is the Founder of The Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Mm -hmm. Festival In Golden Gate Park Each year Ended up offering To fund A visiting artist Program At UCSF And Unbeknownst to me He recommended me For this uh, Program And so They contacted me And I thought They were confused So I I (laughs) threw the letter away (laughs) I thought they meant somebody else. There was another Heidi Claire Lambert out there, <laughs> uh, so I received it again, and then I realized, oh, it says in there. Maybe that's why it maybe, came to me. <laughs> maybe
0: that's the maybe that's the link. So, uh, the the basic premise is that there's a relationship between aging and and music can be a part of uh, easing that process or making it more successful.
1: Yes, I, um, I think that's the most common, the most popular way we think about music, uh, especially with aging brains. And I, I'm I'm very passionate about bringing that topic to our thinking in a different way. I, I look at the lifespan. I'm I'm a teacher. I've, I've been teaching since I was a teenager, and I love the process of engaging a, br- a brain. Whether in music, certainly that has been my experience. But it it is such a, it's so beautiful to see a brain engaged in music. Mm-hmm. So, um, my goal was to just talk about the the value of engaging our brains at whatever age, so that we can age in in a in a healthier way.
0: So, have you had a chance to? Uh be involved with older folks in a uh, daycare setting and those sorts of things
1: i have i have and actually i have a wonderful story from from the time that i worked with uh, the adult daycare center in novato lifelong adult daycare center in novato um, and it's actually within my podcast set the season that's up on brain song radio right now and uh it really blew me away. Ron Thomason witnessed this as well, but if you truly have the intention of engaging another brain through music, which is a language, you will be pleasantly surprised. It doesn't always happen instantly, but if you just open up and give without expectation, you'll be very, very pleasantly surprised.
0: We've had occasion to play... At uh, retirement homes and that sort of thing, and some of the folks are pretty pretty advanced in their aging process, if you will. And we've heard from the caregivers that oh, that person hasn't been that in- engaged for quite a while. Uh, we tended to sing, sing songs from the 30s and the 40s that they knew in their back in their youth, and there's something very visceral about music. Uh, we all we all know that
1: it is, and there is and. There's a new book out right now, um, the new Walter Isaacson book on Da Vinci, and I, I think it's a. I'm s- I'm so happy that he wrote that book. I love his 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 book on Einstein is really really powerful as well because Einstein used music very directly in his in his creativity for his science and uh, Da Vinci also of course he's an artist but also a scientist and at a time where Mm -hmm. science was was not separate from art they were considered to be and really until quite recently they were considered to be part of the same the same thinking but um back to your point about but how it engages if you can engage the the coming of age the music that people listen to when they came of age that Mm. tends to be really powerful and what I found is if you use that as a facilitator, you can teach them, you can teach people new music, you can engage them in call response and dance, and, and you don't have to always use things that they know. As long as, and this is the single most, most important element, as long as you are truly musically engaged, you're not p- performing at them. You're using it as, as, it's, as music is meant to be, which is a language.
0: Now, there are many folks out in this listening audience who are aging. I include myself among that group. What's the best thing to do to uh, foster a healthy lifestyle or aging brain, if you will?
1: Well, um, that's a great question, Gary, and I'm glad you asked it because during my two-year fellowship, at UCSF, which is just just winding down right now. I've been involved in a neurology curriculum. And one of the things we do is we uh, observe when patients come in to be diagnosed. And because there is no cure, there is no treatment, meaning they can treat symptoms, but they cannot treat a neurological disorder. Mm -hmm. And so what do they ask their patients to do? They ask them to diet, to, to be, be mindful of how they eat, so their diet. They ask them to move, exercise or whatever form, dance, I would recommend because, of course, it incorporates music. And sleep. We all know that that's important. It's important throughout our life, but certainly as we age and, and take care of our brains. And to s- engage our brains, to stimulate our brains socially. And all those all those tie in t- together, but the social part of it is really important. As we age, we we tend to maybe be a little less, uh, you know. Sh- you sometimes you can you can't get out as much, and so we have to maybe rely on those who can come to us. and And I, I think also commute. I grew up in a really small community, smaller than than Westcliff. And um, and very isolated, very very is- much more isolated than here. And as I think back, I'm so s- I'm just struck by h- how much we relied on each other a- across the the age spectrum. We took it- we really took care of each other, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think we need to do that. That's part of that social engagement. It, it's not just good for the elders; it's good for everyone. Very true. Let me ask
0: a bit about your, one of your latest projects, and that's Brain Song Radio that you uh, tangentially mentioned. It, it, again, links aging and music. What, what is the, the nature of that project?
1: The goal of Brainsong Radio is to give the, the public a way of thinking about their own brain health. Because of the things I just mentioned, there are those four ways that, in, in general, that we can, we can think about taking care of our brains. And um, music is, is one that is, is really fun. And I think it's very difficult to find someone who does not like music. <laughs> and so it's something that we can all use individually and collectively. You don't have to have a musical education. All you have to do is love it. And I think um, to get started, you can just listen, which fires the brain as a whole system. Just simply listening to a song that you love or a new song, a new melody, a known melody, it it fires the brain. And so that's a way to kind of get going. But, of course, the more you engage your brain in the process, the more you're going to get out of it. So sing, dance, play.
0: And you have had a chance to interview uh, some folks that we play regularly on this radio program, people like Steve Earle, Bill Kirchen, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, Peter Rowan. What were a couple of your favorite people to talk with uh, one-on-one?
1: Oh, my goodness, all of them. Um, I just happened to—these are people that I know from my work in music, and I just happened to pick— these folks to start out with my, my first season and they happen to be at a certain point in their life, meaning they've, they've lived long enough to have had pretty big swings in their musical career. Meaning mm. they've had to, they've had to deep enough dips to have to drag themselves back up into, okay, what, how do I do this? How do I engage my audience? How do I engage myself um, and, you know, they're all different. Steve Earle had a, a very serious addiction, drug addiction, and came through that. And music has been very, very powerful and very driving force in his, in his, his healing and his continued healing. Uh, he's been dry for a very long time. And he also just has, he, he has a completely different, not completely. He has a a different take on how music engages his brain and his life, his community than Jimmy Dale Gilmore, than John Langford, than Ron Thomason, than Peter Rowan. They're all they all have a just a their own flavor. They're all kind of in the same pocket because because of the nature of music and the nature of it as a language, but. If you when you listen you'll you'll notice there's a thread, and um, what I think is the the most beautiful about each of the podcasts is the sense of openness that each person speaks to me um, and to the listeners um, about the process
0: Which of your interviews was the most surprising for some reason?
1: Wow, I think probably. Well, that's hard. I think probably Peter Rowan. We tend to think of Peter Rowan as a bluegrass mm-hmm. uh, musician, but of course he's done mu- he's done a lot of music. But because he grew up in in um, the Walden Pond area, and he he came at bluegrass from a very different place, and so when he engaged. With, uh, with Bill Monroe, it, it, was <laughs> it was quite an interface. <laughs> uh, but John Langford, you know, it's like John Langford started out with music, almost, uh, it, it, they, he got together with the Mekons and their goal was simply to get together and see if they can make a, a band without knowing how to play music. And that was the point, not to, pr- they didn't practice, their goal was to simply make a political statement, an artistic statement, by it really showing what I'm trying to say, which is you don't have to be trained.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's so, it, music is such a deep human form. And often we, we shy away from it if we don't have, quote-unquote, training. And, and Lankford, was a, he was an art student at Leeds. And his fellow bandmates, and they're still, the Mekans are still alive and well. And John is, uh, he's become an Americana Mm -hmm. um, musician and artist. And and, and actually, John has a quote in his interview that just shocks me, that um, talking about how his music informs his visual art. He's a wonderful visual artist. And how, you know, you would think, well, how does that work? Because as we think of music as a a moving form it's, it, it, it's it's not static but what we know from da vinci of course was that's whole his whole point was he was trying to depict movement and john langford is doing even taking it from even a different point of view is how do i inform my my visual art with my musical aesthetic
0: what you say resonates uh, especially about not having to be classically trained, so to speak. There are a lot of people in my vintage that grew up listening to Neil Young, Bob Dylan, John Prine, those those folks who weren't virtuosos with their voice or their instrument, but they could write a song, they could tell a story, and people said, I could do that. Yeah. I could do, and a lot of people are still doing it so hey we're running short of time i when as always happens when we're talking about music heidi thanks for stopping by
1: you bet thanks for having me gary
0: we've been visiting with heidi claire lambert the well-known fiddle player right here in the valley who's been involved with uh, brain song radio and the university of california at san francisco and uh, we've been catching up on some of the latest on that thanks for listening we'll see you next time on valley views You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground